0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let's read it first and then uh, and then I'm going to uh, I'm going to pray. 1 Timothy chapter 6 is going to come on the screen, 6 and verse 12. Fight. We're talking about fight if you were with us last week we started a little series called Fight Right. Fight Right. Because there's a way in which you need to fight in order for you to work, walk out the victory that's already been won. And he says, this is, this is um, Paul speaking to Timothy, and he says, fight. Fight the good fight. Say good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. This is specific. It's not any fight that you're called to fight. It's the good fight of faith. You don't fight everything that comes across your path. Some things are not worth your worry, so don't worry about it. Just let it do its thing. You're called to fight a good fight of faith. You're called to a higher calling, a higher purpose, and it's one of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you are also called and have confessed. Let's let's stop there. Can I, Um, I'm just going to preach from the, the first part of this verse. So let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for what, for how powerful your word is. I thank you for your presence It's in this room. I thank you for what you've already done. And God, I pray that you would you would uh, just help me to, to, to preach what it is that you've given me to preach. Pray that we would have hearts that are open and hearts that are ready to receive from you. We love you and we're so grateful for you, God. We don't take anything for granted. In your awesome, awesome name. Amen. Say amen. So we've begun. um, begun. We're going to continue, and I think think we'll continue it next week, um, this series, Fight Right. Because as I shared last week, and for those of you that weren't with us last week, this is so important that we as Christians are equipped with a strategy on how to fight. Whether you like to fight or not in the spirit is irrelevant. The fact is that the moment you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and did what the Bible calls being born again, you are born into a fight. So you might say, I don't want to fight too bad. The enemy's fighting against you. You're either going to fight or get beat. And so what you have to do is you have to acknowledge that, you know what, I'm in a fight. This is what I'm born for. This is what, in fact, you were created for. But why so many Christians walk around defeated is because they don't understand how to fight right. That there's a strategy. There's a way in which you fight. If you talk to a professional boxer or a professional Fighter of any of any sort, you'll know that they don't just go into the ring just swinging at whatever comes at them. That there is a specific plan, and there is a specific strategy, and that's what we're learning in this series is how to fight right so that I can walk in the victory that Jesus Christ has won for me. That it wouldn't just be a pipe dream that we sing about on a Sunday and tweet about during the week. That He's won the victory, but we don't walk in it. That Jesus won it so that you could. Walk walk in it. That's the purpose of God for your life, that you would be victorious. I don't just want what he has for me in heaven. That's going to be great. And I'm into it. I'm into the gold streets and the angels and we'll sing hallelujah. And it's going to be amazing. But right now I'm here. So as long as I'm here, I want every single thing that God has for me right now. Does anyone want what God has for them now? And so in order for us to get it, we've got to learn how to fight. Last week, we talked about focus, your fight, how your fight has to have a focus, and we talked about three things, and you can get it on the podcast, but I just want to cover it again quickly so we can launch off that into this week. But the three things that you've got to combat in order to remain focused on the fight that God has for you, the first thing is you to combat your feelings. Your feelings have got nothing to do with it. Faith is not about a feeling. It's about what you know to be right in God's word, and it's a foundation you stand upon. So your feelings don't matter. So you've got to put that aside. You've got to overcome your fears, and you've got to ignore the facts. Because all of those things will try to get your focus off the fight that God has for you. So as we look at these verses and continue looking at it, we see, Paul, say to Timothy that you are called to fight and you're called to fight a good fight. Say good fight. A good fight is a fight that you have been equipped for. A good fight is a fight that you have every single thing you need within your arsenal to walk in the victory. A good fight is a fight that when you get in there, the fight has already been won for you. You've got to simply stand in the authority that God has given you and you will experience victory. Too many Christians fight the devil. I know some of you want to just hear that again to think, did I say that right? Too many Christians, we are so focused on fighting the enemy. We're focused on fighting the enemy over here and fighting the enemy over here and fighting the enemy over here and over here. And he's attacking me here and attacking me here. Listen, you are not called to fight the enemy. You are called to stand against the enemy. What the enemy wants to do, that's why Paul says to Timothy, I want you to fight. He doesn't say fight the enemy. He says fight the good fight of faith. What you have to do, the fight that you are called to fight is the fight of faith. And the fight of faith is fighting to simply believe in the work that Jesus Christ has already won. See, that's why and we get so confused because the Bible does talk about in Ephesians 6 and verse 12 that we do wrestle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. But we forget that these words don't just mean what we think they mean on the surface, that there's a difference between fight and wrestle, that you are called to wrestle the enemy. The word wrestle, it actually means it's speaking about a pulling back and forth. It's a pulling back and forth. What's the enemy doing when the enemy is wrestling you is he is trying to pull you off the foundation of faith that God has called you to stand on. So you don't have to worry about fighting him. You might have to wrestle him at times in order to maintain the standing that God has called you to standing. But if you remain in faith, and I want to show you, your faith will actually fight for you. That's what I want to preach on today just for a few minutes is you've got to let faith fight. Let faith fight. Say it with me. Let faith fight. Say it like you're awake. Let faith fight. One more time. Let faith fight. See, so many times, and the reason why I've worded it like that, so many times, the reason why your faith is not fighting is because you're in the way. Your faith is more powerful than you think. Your faith, your belief in what Jesus Christ has done is. Powerful. So many of us do not experience the power of our faith fighting for us because our faith is wrongly positioned. We have put our faith in our finances, our faith in our family, our faith in our reputation, our faith in our job, our faith in our children. And then we wonder why we fall apart the moment we don't have enough money in the bank. It's because that's where your faith was. And let me tell you something. The enemy is not after your finances. He could not care less about your finances. But because he can see that you put your faith in your finances, he'll come after your finances, but he's not after the finances, he's after the faith. So if you take your faith out of your finances and put your faith in God, when the enemy attacks your finances, you'll keep standing in faith because that's not where your faith was. Your faith is grounded in who your God is. So the enemy can attack whatever he wants, and you will keep standing, and your faith will fight for you. We have to position our faith in him. If we're going to understand and talk about faith fighting for us, we have to know what faith is. Faith, Hebrews 11 and verse 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Substance, the word substance, it means foundation. It means set under. Faith is the foundation of things i 'm believing for that word hope it's not it 's not just well, I hope it happens it 's different it 's different language in the Greek. it means an expectation it 's it's, it's, it's a hope. I expect this to happen. How can I expect something to happen that i haven 't seen because I have a foundation of faith? Faith will be the foundation. Faith, if you allow it, will be the foundation by which everything that you are expecting and praying for and believing for can stay upright and keep standing and keep believing because it 's founded upon faith we 've got to understand that faith faith will fight for you. so what we have is we establish real quickly what faith is. faith is the foundation. Faith is powerful. We preach it and we hear it and we say, Ben, that's, that's good. I receive that. So how do I get my faith to fight for me? How, how do I, Ben, I believe. You believe. Yes, I believe. I believe God's a healer. I believe he came and hung on a cross. I believe in who he is. How, how does what I believe become active and start to get my breakthrough? How does what I believe, how does my faith start to fight for me? Well, the Bible says here, and let's look at it real quickly, James 2 and verse 17, faith without works is dead. So it's not faith alone, but it's faith coupled with works, that it's not. Works without faith, because that's religion, that's the form, but denying the power. Works by themselves is striving, so it's not works by itself, and faith by itself is dead. So what I've got to do is, I've got to have works and faith together that will produce... So he's saying what we have to do is if you want to activate what you are sitting on, if you have someone, if you are somebody of faith, if you are someone who would call yourself a believer in Jesus Christ, you are sitting on the greatest weapon in all heaven and on earth and that's your faith. But your faith for too many of you is laying dormant because you have not worked it. You've got to work your faith in order for your faith to start to fight for you and I want to show you, if you would start to work your faith, your faith will go ahead of you and will start to get victories out in front of you. Are you with me? So let's look at this real quickly. I want to show you three ways, three ways to work your faith. Are you ready? You better give me something better than that. I've been working on this. Are you ready? Okay. Listen, Three. there's three ways because i got it. i got faith. How do I work this bad boy? How do I get this thing working for me? Because I'm sick of fighting these fights. Some of you are weary. Some of you are beat down. And the problem is you're not fighting right. It's time to take your hands off. Let God put his hands on and just believe and let your faith go ahead of you. It's a lot easier. It's a lot easier. Your faith will get the victory a lot quicker than you will. Okay. Three ways to work your faith. In Exodus 14 and verse 13, let's look at this. And Moses said to the people, we're going to look at this real quickly. Moses, let me sit up. Moses has just come. He's led the Israelites out of Egypt. They've come out of Egypt. They've gone away. Amazing. Now they're going down the road. Now they face the Red Sea. Remember the story? The Bible says they look in the background and the Egyptians are after them. These guys are coming and they're mean and they're tough and they're mad. And so they're coming after the Israelites. And Moses doesn't know what to do. The people don't know what to do. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Look at this. This is a bad situation. This is not looking good in the natural. But remember, last week, we get our focus off our feelings, our focus off our fears, our focus off the facts. And Moses says to the people, don't be afraid. Stand still. He doesn't say fight them. We've got to turn and try and smoke these dudes. No, no, no. He says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish. Who? Who? He will accomplish. We'll get there. For you, when? Today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more. Look at this. Verse 14. The Lord will fight for you. That sounds like I'm not fighting, does it? Come on, he doesn't say the Lord will come and we'll do it together. No, no, no. He says, stand back and get out of the way and watch me take these dudes out. The Lord will fight for you. I'm gonna say it again and maybe you'll believe it the second. The Lord, she gets it. The Lord, he gets it. The will fight for you. See, even that there, that there, right there. Stop right there. The Lord will fight for you. It's great when we clap, but do you believe it? The Lord will fight, this is the word of God, this is not the word of Ben. The word, the Lord will fight for you. It's so simple, we just gotta believe it. And if I believe it, the word of God is activated, but the problem is we don't believe it. I believe it, I believe that he's gonna fight for me, but look, this is my part, it kicks in. The Lord will fight for you, and, okay, this is our part now, and you shall hold your peace. You shall hold your peace. The first way to work your faith is you've got to hold your peace. You've got to hold your peace. Listen, that's easy to, that's easy to preach right now, isn't it? Because we're sitting in a nice comfy chair next to someone that we like, hopefully singing songs that we enjoy. And we talk about peace and it's cool and it's amazing. And we're going to finish a song and we'll go out and we'll go to lunch. It's going to be all amazing. But tomorrow, but tomorrow, when you wake up, and you've got to face those challenges. And you've got to work with that person that you cannot stand. And you've got to walk through that marriage that's fighting all hell that the enemy's trying to pull apart. And you've got to face those kids that you're praying that they'll get it, but they just don't seem to get it. And you've got to look at that bank account that's been empty for far too long. And you've got to go into that job that you've been praying for a breakthrough and it's not happening. And you're believing for this healing and all you see is a diagnosis. That's when you've got to hold your peace. Because right now... Let me, right now, the enemy... The enemy is not coming after your peace right now because he's an idiot, but he's not dumb. And he knows you're in an atmosphere of faith and it's a lot harder for him to get your peace. But tomorrow, you better know he's coming after your peace. And if you know what it is to hold your peace, faith will be activated and will fight on your behalf. I'll show you another verse real quickly. 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse four to 14, the story of Hannah. Remember, Hannah, she couldn't get pregnant. She's married to a guy called Elkanah, and she goes, and they're all hanging out. And Paniah, who she was a piece of work. She was making life hard for Hannah. And so Hannah says, enough. I'm, I'm getting out of this scene. I'm getting away from everybody, and I'm going to go pray. That's a good thing to do. She says, I'm going to go pray. I've got to get a breakthrough. I'm believing for a breakthrough. And so she's praying, and she's praying so crazy that the priest comes into the temple, and he sees her, and she thinks, he thinks she's had a few too many. He says, this chick's had a couple Budweiser's. What's she doing up in church? She, he thinks she's drunk. He thinks Hannah's taken a few shots. He thinks, he thinks she's been on the bottle. And so he goes up to her and says, hey, you're drunk. Get out of here. And she's, she comes up and she's like, bro, give me a break. I'm, I'm here. I'm just praying. My soul is hurt. And the priest sees, he sees that, that her soul She's sorrowful in spirit, it says. In verse 17. Then Eli answered her and said, This go in peace. Go in peace. And the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked him. And he said, And she said, I'm sorry, let your maidservant find favor in your spirit. Look at this. This is what I love. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Hang on a second. Hannah, you have not got your breakthrough yet. Wouldn't, wouldn't you expect her to go her way and eat and not be sorrowful once she's already got her breakthrough? See, see how powerful peace is? If she goes, that's why the priest said to her, go in peace. And if you go in peace, you're going to be able to carry peace through this time right now where it seems like the miracle is so far off and the breakthrough is so far away. That's what it is to hold your peace. And I like it. So she, she went and she ate. She went hit. She's, she's praying for a breakthrough, but she's prayed. She's got peace. So she's just going to go. She's going to go get in and out and be done with it. When Luca, when Caressa and I, Luca, who's our um my firstborn son, two year old Luca, Caressa and I were getting an ultrasound. It must have been our second or third ultrasound that we got. gotten. So we go in there and they're doing a little, you know, little thing and it comes up on the screen and, and it's cool, you know, you sit there and you hear the heartbeat and you're like, Ah, oh, that's awesome. Look at that little dude. I can never make out a baby in that picture at all. And Caressa's always excited. She's like, Oh wow, look at that. I'm like, man, that's awesome. Can't see a thing. Second or third ultrasound, and the nurse looks and, and she says, "Hmm." And and we said, "What?" And she she brings in another doctor, and they look at her, and she said, "It looks like," um, she said, it "Looks like there's a mark, Looks like there's a little black spot on his brain." And if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. You you've been in that situation before. That's you know where you're sitting in there and you're looking at an ultrasound. You don't, that's not what you want to hear somebody say, and so. She said, there's a black spot on his brain. We need to just look at this. And so they did some tests and come back. And they said, it looks like there's, a, there's actually a cyst on his brain. Man, this is your firstborn child. It's like, man, I mean, in that moment, it's almost like everything we talked about last week, the feelings, that doesn't feel good, does it? The facts are right in front of me. And the fears start flooding in. But if I keep focused... And so we, we come out, and so she says that, and, and I said, uh, I said let's, let's uh, Carissa comes out, the two of us. I said, let's text. We're going to text and call our parents. Call Pastor Jensen, Pastor Cherise, my mom and my dad. Because sometimes when you go through something, you've got to be careful who you allow close. Because not every person can handle your problems. And you need to be very careful when you're walking through a valley. You need to make sure that you've got people that will walk with you that can see the light at the end of the tunnel and will speak faith and not doubt into your situation. That's why... That's why you've got to surround yourself. I don't need like people, you know when people say, well, I'm a realist. I don't need a realist right now. I appreciate that that's who you are and that's great and that's awesome. But right now, I need a faith person right beside me. I don't need someone to tell me the facts. I don't need someone to just, I need someone to remind me of the truth of God's word. And so, so we got them and so we prayed. i put a hedge of protection around him. I renounce and denounce every diagnosis that doesn't line up with your will. And I declare your will and your purpose is very clear in the word of God, Lord, that you died and paid a price so that he could walk completely healed, completely free. We prayed it. And at the end of the prayer, I said, amen. Amen. You know why? Because it's done. It's done. And you know what? After that, we prayed. I said, Caressa, it's done. And I said, let's go and get a donut. And some of you think, but man, you insensitive. You just find out that your kid's got a cyst. You're going to go eat a donut? Yeah, yeah, I am. You know why? Because I prayed. And it's done. And I like donuts. And I was in Newport Beach and I was right by side Cardona so I've said my prayer and I've said amen and I'm going to let my faith fight for me and I'm not going to allow my anxiety and my fear get in the way of what my faith wants to do so I'm going to step back and have a donut I might even have two and wash it down with a little espresso and let God fight on my behalf because that's what my God does best I wish you would get out of the way and just let your faith fight for you Say it's done, it's done, it's done, it's done, it's done. Say a prayer, say amen, and say it's done in Jesus Christ's name. The word of God doesn't need your help. It needs your declaration. You declare it, declare it, and it's done. We come back, and they come back a few weeks later. Come back a few weeks later, and we walked in, the doctor come in, and she said, hey, um, so we were looking at that cyst, and I said, yeah, and she said, so it's gone completely, and uh, so let's just move on, and I said, beautiful, I'm so glad I enjoyed my donut and didn't worry about nothing else, because my God goes before me, we got a healing, my kid is perfectly fine, perfectly whole, two-year-old, living for God, doing his thing, crazy, running around, probably tearing Discovery apart right now, and it's done in Jesus' name, because he's healed. I want to give you two more points in four minutes. Are you ready? You better give me something better than that. Are you ready? Here we go. Hold your peace. Look, Joshua 1, chapter 1. Keys better come or I'll just preach too long. Joshua 1 and verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. Joshua is taken over from Moses. Moses was leading before Joshua comes in. Be strong and of good courage. This is God speaking to Joshua. For to this people, you shall drive. You shall. Divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to the fathers to give them. Look at this, verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous. Be strong and very courageous. This is God speaking to Joshua, how he's going to walk in the fullness of God and take the ground that God has called for him to take. That you may observe to do. Say to do. According to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded you, do not return to the right, to the left. Remember, focus. We talked about that last week. Verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do. Say it again. To do according to all that is written in it. The second way to work your faith is you've got to walk in obedience. Walk in obedience. The, it, it, obedience to the Word of God is one of the most underrated things, I believe, in the church. This is God speaking to Joshua. And he says, you've got to observe it. You've got to meditate on it. You've got to look at it you got to follow it. But you know what? you got to do this thing. If we would do what we read, our life would change. But too many Christians, we don't do it. We, we, we don't do it. We, we want our own ideas and we think we know better than God. Listen, he's pretty good at doing stuff. It's pretty good. He's got a good track record. But we've just got to be obedient. And when you are obedient, your faith will fight for you. It'll fight for you. I mean the basic fundamentals. Some of you are in the situations that you are in right now. Not because the devil is so big, bad, and ugly, but just because you did not follow the word of God. I know it hurts, and I know we don't want to shout about it, and it doesn't tweak good, but we've just got to obey the word of God. You know what? Don't fornicate. That means shacking up, Lord Jesus. What a revelation. I mean, my God, I know we don't say it much in church, but the amount of people that I talk to and hear and you're carrying stuff into your marriage and into relationships. Why? Because you didn't. Listen, he knows what he's doing. He created it. And he says, I created it for the boundaries and the confines of marriage. You take it outside of marriage and you step outside of my covering where my blessing is, where my protection is, where my provision is. Then we look back at God and say, why is this happening? Just do what God's word says, but it's hard. Give me a break. Live by the spirit of God. Set up boundaries in your life. Listen, don't gossip. Gee. Don't listen. Don't listen. I know it's so basic and I so simple. just don't be mean. Don't don't be kind. I mean, my God, how long I look at some conversations within the church that you see online, and I think, dear Lord Jesus, are you even safe? Stop being so freaking mean. Just be nice to people. Don't judge people. Quit worrying about what everybody else is doing and worry about your speck in your own eye. Don't worry about the speck in others. Worry about the loggy noise. Worry about your own. Listen, I look at some conversations, and I think, my God, how much time do you have? I don't have time to worry about what other people are doing and what's going on in their life. I don't need the headaches. I've got enough of my own. And, but listen, we don't want to hear it. But there is so much power just being obedient. You've got to hold your peace, you've got to walk in obedience. And last one, real quickly you've got to stand on your promise got to stand on your promise. In Joshua again, in chapter 1, he says, my servant, Moses, my servant is dead. Chapter 1 and verse 2, now therefore go over this Jordan, you and all his people to the land which I am giving to them. That's a promise. Have you got a promise that you are standing on? Not a, not, a, not a nice thought, not a pretty quote that you saw on Twitter once, not a nice little Shakespeare thing that you read once in college, not a th- tattoo that your friend has. Have you got a promise? Because if you've got a promise, you've got something set in stone. You've got to have a promise. Promise. You've got to make a decision. I'm going to believe in a promise that is grounded and rooted in the word of God. That is the only thing that will keep you standing like the wise man that built his house. You cannot build your house. Listen to me. You cannot build your house on people. You can't. Let me tell you something about people. That's going to blow your mind. Are you ready? Write this down. This will change your life. People are people. That's powerful, isn't it? Some of you build your life on people, people's opinion. People's opinion about what you should do, people's opinion about your life, people's opinion about your situation, and you build your life upon people. And then when people let you down, everything falls apart, and then you blame God. The problem is you position people in your life where your promise should have been. People are people you've got to stop putting an expectation on people that you should be putting on God. People, people are going to make mistakes. Listen, let me tell you something else. Your leaders and your pastors, we're we're people too. I've met too many people going from church to church just because they didn't like One thing this person said, and they're going to go over here because they won't let this. And then that person let them down. And then this leader did this. And then they didn't get a call here. And then they didn't get a visit here. And this person should have done that. And they should have done that. And you wonder why you don't flourish. Because you are not grounded in your promise. You are grounded in people. And people will let you down. You've got to be, you've got to be, you've got to be. Grounded and rooted in your promise, the promises of God, the promises of God. He doesn't promise us that you won't ever feel bad. He promises that he will never leave you nor forsake you. He doesn't promise that at times you're going to feel lost and alone. He promises that he will be your comforter and counselor. There's a promise that he will take you everywhere that you want to go. He promises that he will order your steps. He doesn't promise that you're always going to have a lot of money in the bank. He promises that you will be blessed. And if you are not standing in a promise, your faith cannot be activated to fight for you. And you know why? Because each one of these things hold your peace, walk in obedience. And stand on a promise, every single one of them requires faith. That it's not the peace and the obedience and the promise in and of itself that will fight for you, but it's the faith that's required. See, these are the works: the peace, the obedience. These are the works, but you couple the works with the faith. Then your faith will fight for you, and you will walk in the victory that God has for your life. I know it's basic, but if we would just simply believe it, believe His Word, Let him fight on your behalf. He's already won the victory. Quit worrying about this devil and that devil and fighting this and fighting that. Why would you fight something that's already defeated? You're wasting your time and your prayer life. You need to stand on the word of God. Believe that he is what we read about in scripture. That he did accomplish it all on the cross. And that you are victorious through Christ Jesus. Give Him praise one last time if you receive it over your life. How do I work my faith? I work my faith when I hold my peace, when I walk in obedience, and when I stand on the prop. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.